When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up for the midweek edition. Mike Babcock will talk all things baseball. Get a Husker preview from Babbers. Now that there's a schedule, the over-under was mid-February. Kidding. Big Ten just doesn't care, right? Let's wait, let's wait, and then, oh, 44 games. And slam them in. No postseason tournament. Whatever. We'll get on our soapbox about that in a little bit. Mike Shuart will join us. Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey will give us some thoughts on the epic Happy Gilmore. No doubt. We'll get some thoughts from Shuey on just who uh, most likely represents Chubbs on the tour in real life. Who's more like Happy? And who's the shooter McGavin? in real life, of said PGA Tour. Jacob Padilla is going to be with us in one hour. Husker Hoops, Monster Showdown with Minnesota for Husker Volleyball. And then the Pride of Ord is back. Andy Markowski will join us, and we'll talk to Andy about finishing at the rim. Numbers to get in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-800. 5865 email chris at hailvarsity.com and can find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. What'd you think last night? Nebraska didn't get the cover, ran out of gas, but they had chances to uh, to do some work and, and steal one in College Park last night. I mean, they were the better team for the first. 10 minutes, if not the whole first half. I mean, we hear that and say that a lot, don't we? Yeah, but that last night was the first time where it truly looked like that team just was gassed at the end. Uh, Derek Walker, not sure uh, if it's an injury, or but he said it wasn't feeling right in the second half. And, I, think, know, I think it was probably illness. Yeah, but nonetheless, that team without Derek Walker just looked exponentially more tired. He's, he's the energy bunny mm-hmm. in, in, that, uh, in that lineup. Whenever he was on the bench, uh, that the effort, um, while it was there on the defensive end, uh, the offense was just not cohesive. And I think it comes down to guys cutting, guys uh, getting themselves open, guys getting open looks, you know, and just just wasn't there last night. Here is Fred Hoiberg on the fatigue factor, and it's very real. You're talking seven games, 12 days. You've heard it over and over again. Well, the uh, final eight minutes w- was danger time against Penn State. Nebraska just could not finish uh, against Maryland. It was down to a two-point game 
under six. Nebraska battled back. Webster drilled a monster three to tie things up at 44. And then Nebraska just did what Nebraska does a lot. They settled. They settled for some tough shots. They settled for some questionable decisions on offense. And they they just got stagnant. We'll spend some time next hour with a couple of our basketball insiders on that stagnation piece. But uh, fatigue's a reality. I mean, I think it is affecting us, Robin. Um, you know, it was it's still a two-point game under six to go. I think five and change, it was still a two-point game. And then, you know, we just completely fell apart on really on both ends. And when you miss layups and you miss free throws and they go down and they convert, you know, in those same type of shots, uh, you know, it is a little bit deflating. And then, uh, yeah, I, you know, to answer your question, there is a sense of fatigue with our guys right now. We're trying to do everything we can. Uh, you know, most of them will go back and sit in the cold tub tonight. That's what they did uh, after Penn State is as soon as we got to the hotel in Maryland, uh, they, they all got in the cold tub and in the ice tub. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, trying to get them moving and set, stretch st- uh, sessions uh, right now to try to fight through, you know, this, uh, this crazy stretch that we're on. But, you know, I thought our guys battled. I thought they played hard. I didn't think it was an effort thing tonight. Uh, we just really struggled to get anything going. I thought we stood around uh, too much, especially when things got tough. Uh, you know, when you move like we have been, uh, you know, we, we've been pretty darn good. The Il- Illinois and Penn State game, for the majority of it, were as good as we've been. But, you know, these last, you know, seven, eight minutes of games right now, we are. I think we're wearing down, and I do think a lot of it is fatigue. And Fred's pretty real, right? When, when Fred Hoiberg tells me something, I, I believe it. I don't look at it as an excuse. This is a reality. These guys aren't used to it. They're not getting a lot of clearly practice time. They're slammed together prep time. And I think they put in phenomenal effort. But they shot 28% in the second half. They took a lot of threes that, that wouldn't hit. They were more efficient in the first half. You're right about Walker with uh, not only his ability to, to pass, but just people feed off of him on the court with his energy. And when it comes to Nebraska and and their their decision making, I mean that that's what I go back to. And it's easy to to say that on our end, we're not out there logging forty minutes. And we're not logging forty minutes seven times over a twelve day stretch. The the question I have is this with Nebraska. And sometimes it's okay to, to take somebody one-on-one. Sometimes it's okay to try and get to the rim. You, you got to finish at the rim. That's so obvious. But some of Nebraska's shots were just didn't go in. Uh, some of Nebraska's shots were forced at the rim. There's, there's one take by McGowan's. I'm like, what are you doing, man? I know you want to posterize half of D.C. I get it. But it was just a wild, crazy shot that led to transition three bang and Maryland didn't didn't shoot great I mean Nebraska's defense needs to be commended but when we and I haven't charted this and I'm sure Jacob Padilla has got some sort of uh, estimation in mind but with Nebraska's possessions how many of their possessions result in a quick shot or a tough shot or a not the shot we wanted category I think a lot of them were that way uh, the final seven minutes or so. And you had a couple of quick possessions that, that Teddy jacked it up. You just you, you have some guys that 
just still love hero ball. They just do. And Nebraska's assist numbers have been so good when they've been competitive. Nebraska's assist numbers, I think they were under 10 last night. But, man, they moved the ball well in the first half. And when they got back into it in the second half, they were within striking distance right right there. Uh, and, and they even had built a lead. I mean, they were they were a chance to, to grow a lead, right? Work towards a 6, 8, 10-point number, and then they take a bad shot or a quick shot on a possession. It's not that you shouldn't shoot if you're open, but is it is it the right shot? And you can be open early in the possession, but they had a chance to, to drive, and I know that didn't go well last night, but they had a chance to drive in some instances on offense and and they settled for the three, and it's just it's just maddening. In the same breath, though, I, I love their their guts. I love how hard they play, and a guy that that got extended minutes because he's such a freak athletically, and he's so big and strong and, and agile, is 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 uh, Banton? No, not Banton. I, I'm draw, I'm losing my mind here. Shamil. Ah, okay. Sorry, dude. That was bad. Shamil is is such a versatile guy. He's mm-hmm. big and he can guard and he can guard on the perimeter. But but sometimes Shamil just gets tunnel vision, man, and he and he just drives it in and it it's the ball goes to him and if he's got his mind made up, it's a black hole. And and I I'd love to see him as good as he can be at getting by his defender, man, I think there are guys waiting to catch in rhythm on a kick out from Shamil Stevenson. And I'm not piling on him. I'm not being critical to be a jerk. I'm just saying there are some aspects of the ball game in, in a lot of Nebraska's games where they've been competitive that Shamil's going to put the, the, old, the old football helmet on, no face mask, drive in and run over three dudes. And there's going to be an offensive charge or two called. And it just, it can zap you from a momentum or an energy standpoint. I I was driving home and I heard McGowan's drill one from, it wasn't quite half court, but it was from, from way downtown, bang. And yet yeah, went in and it went in to cut a lead that was up to five back down to two or it cut a lead from seven uh, back down to four. But it's one of those no no okay yes it went in but again shot selection and and fred will get into that here in a minute we'll have some updates here on nebraska and ireland uh sorry (laughs) cranach no nebraska ireland we'll get there in a minute but it is truly just maddening with how close they've been to putting a three-game winning streak together and then just the, the decision-making and the basketball IQ part, balancing that with phenomenal effort is, is what's really tough about this team. And they are so so good at grinding. Mm. I mean, I, I, I can't emphasize enough how much I appreciate what they're going through and the effort they're giving for Nebraska basketball fans. In the same token, it just, it, it just unraveled. It just unraveled, and a lot of that was due to shot selection. I mean, the last three games have shown me, though, this team is close. Um, they were 
not good from around the rim yesterday. If you get some of those layups, which should be falling, um, it's what the good basketball teams make fall on um, those shot, close shots around the rim. It's as simple as that. You can get some of those to fall. That game's closer, if not a Husker win. Um, but at this point, I don't, I don't know. Is a, is a contested layup better than a contested three for this Husker team? It seems like there's just... Well, just go up and freaking dunk it. I mean, that sounds easy, but do it that way. The the downside to it is <laughs> if you du- try and dunk and miss, you're headed to the line, and, and that's not been a comfort spot for Nebraska basketball. Clearly it hasn't been. Maryland wasn't great either, and, and a lot of that was Nebraska's defense. And if you're Nebraska basketball and you force 17 turnovers, brother, you got to get more than four points. You just do. And, and and Nebraska's turnover numbers, what did they end up with? Like seven? Seven turnovers last night? I thought they were getting close to ten, but I know it was a lot less seven, than Seven or nine. And they two of them were double dribbles and two of them were travels. Just stuff that you're not supposed to do at the, the Division One level. So there there's still a lot of warts that need to be burned off with this team. But you, you can't. You can't fault their their give a damn level, which is great. Tom's with us on Hale Varsity. Tom, what'd you think? Hey, Smitty, what you're saying about Stevenson, boy, that's just right on target. Wouldn't it be beautiful to see him develop a spin move? You know, even a Euro step of some sort, but a spin move would just be unbelievable. Well, uh, I think it, it would. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say there there are times where he's tried to spin, but he clears the the lane out, and it and, and it's a charge. I mean, but I know what you're saying. There, there's some some additions to his game because of his athleticism, and he can handle the ball pretty well for his size. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. not smiling all the time if he's putting it on the deck because you know there yeah. could be a turnover. But bro, if if he could shake his guy, which he can do. And then find a teammate. I mean, it, it's right there. And, and you've seen the team. I mean, Banton started well because he got great kickouts and was in rhythm. You know how good Lat can be when they drive and kick to him. And that's part of Teddy's game that's kind of come around. Now, you can revert back to the old uh, dark side of the forest, so to speak, where these guys still do force it. And, and there's still a work in progress, Tom. With Yeah, and I got a, I got a question it. for you, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that half-court set with Eduardo, I, I just don't understand why he's got the ball at all at the top of the key. Uh, he has absolutely no handles. And the one time last night he double dribbled, and the other time he threw it completely just out of bounds looking for a wing right. either side. I just don't understand I what think, we're doing with him out there. He's I, th- I think what you do, Tom, I think the reason for that is – you want to unclog the lane and draw their bigs out on him, whether they're in zone or man. And I think the one thing you, you can see from 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 uh, Andre and for sure from Walker, I think those guys do a hell of a job of, of finding teammates uh, in that high post with a backdoor pass. So I think they're yeah, trying to draw so, the defense out. More so Walker, for sure. sure. But it's a double-edged sword with Eduardo because uh, – I don't know. I, I feel sorry for the kid being out there. He just they did they got to learn a little bit better. Well, thanks I for taking my call. Appreciate today. you, Tommy. Yeah, and the thing with Eduardo, I mean, you've seen him grow, Elijah. You've seen him get and, and play pretty good minutes. That's only going to get better the more time he's out there. 
honestly. I mean, you got you got to play him, and he's got to he's got to kind of take some bumps. But I, I like what Eduardo's doing, and that's why you have a big out there, draw the defense out, and and that's pretty common with a lot of offensive sets nowadays. No, no disrespect to Eduardo Andre, um, but the guy is still a bit of a twig. He, he, well, he's he's thin, and he, he's, he's only thin. been playing ball for four years. Exactly, and he's still got. I mean, I expect still I expect good. he's got another thirty, forty pounds of muscle he can add to actually be able to be a force in the in the in the paint. But with his length and his size, um, he fits well into what I want this Fred Hoiberg offense to be. I think his his quickness and his athleticism really can screw your traditional Kofi type big guy in the Big Ten. Well. Andre's going to give away some weight down low. He's going to bang down low, and he did really well, I thought, rebounding uh, the other night against Illinois. We'll uh, get you an update uh, on Husker baseball as the schedule is out. Uh, Nebraska, Illinois, uh, no dice to kick off the year in Ireland. Hail Varsity continues. And we're back. Fellas, did we could listen to the radio listen. on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So no Ireland for Illinois and Nebraska. They'll still open up the 28th. Uh, Rob DeSuit is getting us locked in for Roadshow Week Zero which is going to be outstanding. And we can tap into Mike Babcock's knowledge of champagne and and make do. Mike Babcock is with us. Babbers, uh, I've never been to Ireland. I looked forward to figuring out a way to pour a Guinness in Ireland. I'll have to do that during a non-football roadie. But, hey, champagne, season opener, Coach Bielema, at least you get a season opener here week zero. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, uh yeah, champagne is not uh, is not Ireland, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> it's not Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Ireland. <laughs> it's not. You know, here's here's a bit of trivia. So when I taught uh, <laughs> the first year, I taught in uh, Champaign, Illinois, at Parkland Community College. Uh, before I got into sports writing, um, I was a season ticket holder for the Illini. Okay. There you go. Uh, they were. Uh, not very good, and uh, it's not, not a, not a Rose, Bowl, uh, Rose Bowl, Illinois team. No, no, it was not. Uh, <laughs> Illinois wasn't very good during the time that I lived in Champaign, and my job was uh, when I when I started working part time at the newspaper at one of the newspapers there. I my job was to uh, I, since I was part timer, my I always got the uh, the visitors' locker room at the okay. home games. So that meant I got Ohio State with Woody Hayes, and I got Michigan with Bo Shem Beckler, and I usually got the winning locker room. But uh, <laughs> he had the visitors, so you got the winning locker room. Yeah, but That's enough uh, enough frivolity. So uh, anyway, yeah, we're ready to play baseball, right? We are. I can't wait for Oscar baseball. The Big Ten finally got their schedule released. Forty-four games, uh, no RPI really because. For the Big Ten, there's no opportunity to go play a Big 12 or a Pac-12 or a, an SEC squad. And Nebraska's been so aggressive over the years with an Oregon State or an Arkansas or or somebody. I mean, it's been a lot of fun early on, especially with those trips down to Arizona in February, Mike. 
and and now it's you're you're doing uh, Round Rock uh, to get things kicked off against Purdue, and then you've got uh, kind of a cluster with uh, with Ohio State uh, coming up and Iowa at, at U.S. Bank Stadium, and that'll be good because yes, we'll have baseball for sure. But your take on 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 the eye test and what this baseball team can be year two under Will Bolt? What where are some reasons for optimism where Nebraska can maybe make a big jump? Well, I think, you know, I think they've got the pitching candidates, uh, a lot of them. I won, uh, Will Bolt talked to us at the uh, first day of practice. Uh, he gave us uh, eight or nine names of players that he thought were in competition to be starting pitchers. Uh, they got a couple of junior college transfers that figure into the mix there possibly. And, and uh, you know, uh, Spencer Schwellenbach, uh, could do a little pitching, a little relief pitching, mm-hmm. in addition to playing shortstop. And he got uh, 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 preseason uh, second-team All-America recognition from one outlet. You know, so you feel good about that. Leighton Banjoff, um, really feel good about him, his versatility. Probably going to be a first baseman, but he can move to the outfield. They have options, the ability to, uh, you know, go with a, a predominantly left-handed batting order. Um, they can make adjustments that way, and I, you know, I, I, I think they've got the talent there. But uh, uh, like you said, and that was one of the things that Will Bolt uh, told us uh, that day was that uh, with a conference-only schedule, you got no RPI. And then uh, the College Baseball Writers Association the preseason poll, uh, one Big Ten team included in that preseason poll, Michigan, at number thirty-four. Mm out of 35, and during the regular season they do 30. but So they had 35 teams. The Big Ten gets one, and they're at number 34. And the only other teams, I think, were Indiana and Minnesota got votes. So when you're talking about no RPI and then you're talking about the preseason rankings uh, like that, you're going to have to be pretty aggressive and play pretty well within the conference, and that's one of the things that the Bold also said, is that it's probably going to come to a situation where three or four teams are going to have to really stand out in conference uh, in order to, uh, to qualify for the NCAA. Mike, usually the Husker baseball team adds those non-con games to, to boost their, uh, their strength as schedule. Uh, this year the Big Ten's not allowing them to do so, but does it seem strange to you that the Big Ten says no to non-conference games, but then turns around and says, but it's okay, you can open your season in Texas against Purdue? Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not, I, I guess there's an attempt to be equitable to all the conference teams. I, I, you know, I'm not exactly sure why that is. I'm not exactly sure why there's no Big Ten baseball tournament uh, in Omaha. Um, there's a Big Ten basketball tournament, right? And mm-hmm. baseball is played outside. It seems to me like if it were an either-or, which I don't think it should be, but if it were an either-or, the one that you wouldn't have would be the basketball tournament. But, uh, you know, that's a, to me that was a curious part of the schedule as well. And, again, it would be one more way, I guess, to, to – uh, have those teams stand out to try to draw some recognition because, uh, again, like you said, um, it's curious that you, there can be no non-conference games. But, you know, maybe maybe by playing in Round Rock, Texas, you can get a little exposure. I don't you know, media exposure. 
Um, then the next week, um, you're going up and playing in Minnesota, so you're right back in the Big Ten, Big Ten footprint. And, you know, there's another curious thing there. Uh, Nebraska has a series in Lincoln against Rutgers, and then the next week Nebraska goes out to Rutgers and plays Rutgers a couple more times in a, in a pod situation. So um, it's a curious uh, schedule in, that, in, in several senses, but at least it's a schedule and it's 44 games and, and uh, weather permitting, they're going to uh, get rolling here pretty quick. Mike Babcock's with us uh, with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. Some Husker baseball thoughts is the Big Red knows uh, the task at hand, 44-game conference schedule, uh, four-game weekends, three-game weekends, and some um, some neutral site spots where you'll have a couple of different teams uh, f- find their way in. So uh, Mike is found on Twitter at MDBabs on, uh, on Twitter for, for Mike. And so... With Nebraska's offense and and their pitching, my question is this. From a developmental standpoint, there's no midweek games. Is that going to hurt at either at some point now or, or later on for Nebraska baseball with, with some arms to get developed? Well, you know, I don't know. Because one of the things that, that uh, Bolton anticipated was that it would be uh, a setup of entirely four-game series, and it's not going to be that way. I think there's there's uh, five uh, weekends with four-game series, or where they play four games, not necessarily four-game series, two and two, kind of a thing. And then there's there are eight where it's three three-game series. But um, so so that's gonna that's gonna help a little bit. I I, I still think you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have some. Some pitching depth, even if if you're only playing three game series on a weekend, you, you you've got to have those pitchers. Um, I think you got you can have an opportunity to to do some things um, inter squad during the week uh, w- with your pitching staff or whatever. Um, it, the the one thing that those midweek games do once the season gets going is it gives you an opportunity to get some guys out there that uh, uh, in a in a real game situation that maybe they wouldn't get to do if. If you uh, if you're if you're in a conference uh, uh, situation, particularly like you are now, so maybe there are some developmental guys that don't wouldn't get an opportunity to start. But uh, it's you know when you're playing four games in a weekend, it's going to be pretty much all hands on deck. I think, uh, particularly for that fourth game, and you have to have guys that can give you multiple innings. Babbers, want to go to football here and get your take on on Ron Brown's role revealed, and uh, he we were pretty sure he'd be doing more football related activities. Senior offensive analyst, as great as he's been for the football program, as long as he's been at Nebraska, what can he do as Nebraska heads into year four for Frost? I think he can give you some stability in, in your offensive planning. You know, as, a, as an offensive analyst, I you know, I'm probably not a good one to comment that because I'm a big Ron Brown fan. Same here, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm you know I'm biased in that sense. But but I really think that he you know he has the he has the great uh, great background, and you know it, it, his coaching experience uh, began with defense, and so he he he's seen it across the board. Um, it's, and I, you know, I think that's positive. Even if you're an offensive analyst, 
um, with the experience that he's had on both sides of the ball, I just think that that, that can't uh, that can't do anything but help you. Babbers, to wrap, uh, what happens tonight, uh, round two against Maryland for Husker Hoops? Well, I don't know. It's a weird situation, isn't it, Smitty? Mm-hmm. I think it's the first time they played the team back-to-back, they were saying, since 1976. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, it's weird. I, you know, I expect the Huskers to come out and give it everything they got, but, uh, you know, you'd like to see what that, that two-game stretcher where they beat Penn State and then played Illinois into overtime. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll see that team out there. You know, it's it's probably tough to – you know, it's going to be more difficult, I guess, to beat a team on a second night in a row uh, when you see them, and you should be better prepared. But Nebraska's getting pretty worn down, too, so physically. So They are, and, and you know, they faded last night, and I think part of that fatigue, man, it's, it's easier to settle for, for quick shots or jump shots versus the energy it takes to drive into the teeth of a defense, and it wasn't falling at the rim anyway last night, but... You know, Nebraska, as good as Maryland is defensively, I thought Nebraska was their own worst enemy last night with some of that shot selection. And, and man, it's proof, though, that Fred's offense, when they move the ball, man, they are so good at getting open looks. And a lot of those open looks have, have turned into conversions. I mean, they've, they've hit some open shots. They've gotten better. Now, I know in the second half it wasn't, wasn't falling for them, but they're still kind of a work in progress with – uh, being an unselfish team, and and I think you've seen some some progress in that, but you want to see a full game of commitment to that, and we'll see where they go. Babbers, you uh, you have a great rest of your week. You stay safe and healthy, and stay warm, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, Smitty. Be safe. You too. There he is, Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Read him with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. Follow him on Twitter at mdbabs. We'll uh, head off to Wilderness Ridge, check in with Mike Shuhart. Shuey's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jacob Adela's going to join us in 25 minutes. Uh, thoughts on Husker volleyball, Husker basketball, prep action. And uh, we'll st- spend some time with Andy Markowski. We welcome in Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, no uh, Nebraska football in Ireland, which, man, uh, you've been uh, across the pond to golf, I assume? I have. I've been there, actually. That's, <laughs> that's really too bad. That's a really fun, awesome place to go. So we're going to have to switch uh, gears in, in hopefully Nebraska Northwestern in 2023 or 2024 can get handled. I hope so. That's but, a fun trip. I mean, that is a really cool place to go. It sounds like it, but we're going to end up just roadie into Champagne, I guess. The Champagne Room, uh, Joey? I mean, you know. Okay. I guess <laughs> we have to. <laughs> we're, tra- we're trading Dublin for, for Champagne. Okay. Well, that sounds like a very good trade to me, but. <laughs> I know. I know. I got I to gotta get your take on uh 25 years ago, yesterday was the release of Happy Gilmore. And it's one of my favorites. I know as a golf guy, it had some comedy in it that was pretty good. Caddyshack's still kind of on, on the top pedestal. But who on tour, in your opinion, most closely resembles Shooter McGavin? <laughs> Shooter McGavin. 
Shooter. That's on tour right now. Just, Shooter just McGavin. in your history with pro golf, who reminds you of Shooter? There's a guy that I played with out there. Bob Friend was his name. And uh, <laughs> Tell me about Bob. <laughs> his, his nickname was the governor. So. Ah. He was the governor. He was he was the man. He knew everything. He had he was in charge. So we knew when he was done playing golf that he was going to be the governor of some state sooner or later. So that's why he got to be the governor. Okay. Now I'm going to flip it around. Who does does anybody past or present have some some Gilmore tendencies? Oh, Frank Licklider and Timmy Lumpy Heron. Those two are are almost perfect examples of him. That's how they play. That's how they talk. That's how they live. I mean, that's that's happy to a T right there. Okay, Frank Licklider especially. Give me, give me a little. Up. Give me a little background on Frank. Up. Yeah, Frank. Frank would come driving up to the events in his his camoed out uh, Humvee. <laughs> with, with the music blaring, so wow, Frank would yeah, Frank would be pretty good. Mike Schuart's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, um, a thought on the uh, the uh, the U.S. Open and uh, the the pro am at Pebble Beach. You know what what were your takeaways from the weekend? Pebble Beach is beautiful. You yes. never have a chance to go yeah. play there. You got to go play. That's that's a bucket list place. Very strange because you know no no typical pro am, no people out there cheering. Um, so a little strange, but it's super exciting tournament like it typically is. I mean it was an incredible shot. Golf course is very very difficult. That's why it's it's too bad TV doesn't do it justice. I mean. I saw the one, I think they were talking about the greens, how all 18 greens at Pebble Beach could fit into number one green at St. Andrews. That's incredible. Yeah, it is. So that just tells you how small the greens really are. I mean, they're, they're that's why TV does them no justice. They're so small with some serious undulation in them, you know. The thing about Pebble that's so amazing to me is that it was built basically in 18, 1902. Mm-hmm. So imagine that golf course built then, and it's withstood the stand of, you know, the uh, time. So it's like they built that unbelievable golf course back then, and it's still basically the same as it was then as it is now. So it's just it's a really fabulous place. Chewy, are you up in arms about the PGA and their take on range finders now? No, I mean that's that it was going that direction. And, and I, to me, it's not going to be that big of a deal because the the caddies and the players don't they don't use them that much in a sense. I mean, they have their their players' books is what they call it. It has a lot of the yardage and everything that's there. You know, the most of the work that caddies do are on the greens. So you know, they the rangefinders really won't be that big of a deal. You know, especially not using the, being able to use the component of a rangefinder that actually is the most beneficial, which is the slope factor, is what it's called. Sure. So rangefinders actually, when your slope's on, it can tell you, man, this is playing five yards down or ten yards down or ten yards up, things like that. See, that's not available. You're not available to use that. 
not legal to do that. So it's not that big of a deal. And I, I just think it's trending that way, you know, with technology and what's out there. I just think it's up speed play up, actually. Okay. Should we get a switch gears before we talk uh, wilderness and uh, fitting and lessons? How optimistic are you for Husker Hoops tonight? Oh, none. They have no chance. <laughs> is that, I, I is that we, fatigue? Is that... Um, no, that's it, it, bad. Okay. The, the, so do you still check in on them, or are you uh, on, on a, oh, a yeah, shoey basketball timeout? No, I always check in on them, because I like watching Huskers, no matter what it is, just to, you know, in that optimistic rooting hope something happens. But right. no, you, you can't be a D1 basketball player and shoot free throws like that. That's That's... I, I don't even know how that's possible. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, it's that's short. worse than high. That's high. That's worse than high school. Well, every one of them. That's what's amazing. And you call yourself a D one basketball player? You got to be kidding me! You should be ashamed of yourself. You, you sound a little pissed, Shuey. It's okay, brother. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, I. You know, I think their effort's been incredible, and I know it's. It, you need to get beyond the the try hard part of it. They're they want to win, but they're um, no. I I don't know that there's much left in the tank because it's been pretty grueling. Yeah, and they do. I mean, they do play hard, you know. But I just don't. I don't like to watch them play because they're just. How many times do they throw the ball around? How many times do five guys touch it before a shot goes up? Not never. Not soon. I mean, it's better, but not 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 as much as it needs nah. to. I mean, they just they play ball. They play. They just all of them think they play ball like they're an all American, and they're you know none of them are all junior high. Mm. You know, so it's like you got a mentality that's out there, and these guys are gonna. Shamil, he, that guy would never see the court. I mean, why does that guy get in the game and think he's going to take the game over all the time? It's like, and all he does is turn it over and foul. So it's like, I don't get it. I mean, it's like, I don't get why you won't make the extra pass to your teammate. I guess because he's going to throw up a brick just like you are, so what's it matter? <laughs> well, it comes down to the trust. Uh, yeah. Mike, before we let you go, we need to let you uh, tell us what's going on at Wilderness, and I, I want to ask you, if anyone out there is looking for a lesson, sell yourself. Could you fix Happy Gilmore swing? Oh yeah, you can fix anybody. That's what we do. I mean, that's uh, identify what's going on, give you ideas, give you techniques, give you drills that if you work on them, they will make they will make you better. No question. So Sh- that's what we do. You, uh, your idea that Chubb stole was the clown's mouth, right? I mean, it is what it <laughs> that's is. That's right. Shuey's with us here on Hale Varsity. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge, get a lesson and uh, get signed up and be a member today. Shuey, will talk next week. Thank you so much, bud. You bet. Always enjoy. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Plenty of thoughts on Husker Volleyball, Prep Hoops, and uh, Big Red Basketball. Jacob Padilla's 10 minutes away. Eddie Markowski, the pride of Ord, going to be in uh, Husker Standout. Get his take on tonight. Reminder about moving in 2021. West Blue Realty is there for you. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. They'll make your next move a smooth one for a limited time. You mentioned Hale Varsity. 
And West Blue Realty can provide up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a phone call today at 402-540-3768 or contact Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's awesome as well. 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. I'm going to be getting uh, massive amounts of golf in a week from today through... Uh, Sunday, so that my my countdown is on. I am handing the Ferrari or SUV or lovable beater, however you want to describe the show, uh, off to uh, our dear friend here, Elijah Herbal, and uh, of course Damon Barr. Are you pretty fired up? Oh, oh, I'm always excited when I get a chance to host the show. You're just gonna be like, get it done. You're gonna fire it up. I got to find some cool guests for next week. Go for it. Already got to start looking into it. Have you picked your golf courses out next week? Do you know which ones you're playing? I have. Uh, my brother and I are going to go play with my dad's old group, mm. which is really cool. They invited us to play Thursday morning. So we'll do that. We'll go play with, with my mother. And their, her home course is Pebble Creek. She's playing right now. And I, I, I know we talked about it last week with Barnett. Coach Barney's like proud of my mother because she's winning and gambling and just taking all sorts of of money on the course she's killing it mm. i i mean if, if i'm if i'm a gambling man I, I think the bet i'd go is the over under on vodka lemonades next weekend see <laughs> yes <laughs> the, the, the line's got to be if it's the whole weekend what are we talking here at least well, t- 10 and a half is that, is that the line uh, uh, uh a day over, over the weekend. Okay, I was gonna say, dude, it didn't we, happen a day. We can try. I want you to come back. <laughs> we can totally try that. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think the over under on on you know as we wait in the airport, what what beer is going to cost me? <laughs> That's a good one too. <laughs> I think I think the accurate number you threw out is ten and a half for a bottle. Yeah, give me a warm domestic, please. So, no, uh, excited uh, to sneak away for a little bit, excited that Elijah and Damon are going to do their thing, and then, uh, yeah, I'm excited to go see my mom and uh, spend some some time with my brother, so the countdown's on, and um, golf down there is phenomenal, Pebble Creek, I think it's a 27-hole resort where my my mom's at, and no, that's uh, kind of a a thing we've been looking forward to for, for quite a while. Basketball and Nebraska has gotten better. Can they put it together for a second time in three games? What is kind of been the secret for Nebraska volleyball aside from excellence in coaching, recruiting, developing, and executing? Uh, Minnesota comes to town and it is going to be on. Uh, big time for Nebraska volleyball. Jacob will enlighten us there. And what did last weekend show us about Nebraska basketball uh, from a prep standpoint uh, with Bell West and Millard North? And we're getting close to uh, some district action. So plenty to cover with Jacob Padilla next to Tail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Let's welcome in Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore is where you can follow him on Twitter. Jacob, pretty busy weekend for you, man, and thanks for joining us today uh, with a lot to talk about. Let's dive into some Husker basketball thoughts, and I thought your question and um, insight uh, with uh, just kind of the, not only the recap for Nebraska's loss to Maryland last night was outstanding on HaleVarsity.com, but also uh, your your question to Coach Hoiberg at the end of his, his uh, Zoom session last night with uh, stagnation. And tell me, as a guy who looks at basketball, what you like about where Nebraska basketball's gone Really, since the the Minnesota game to Illinois, that this that time frame to now, and what are some areas that that you think Nebraska basketball still has a chance to grow in, and and maybe finish out a little stronger? It's the first thing I think you look at is just the defensive effort and the way they've been scrapping since the start, um, since they came back. Um, that is and. They showed some defensive promise earlier in the season, and then it kind of got away from them as they got into the conference play, and they're able to kind of lock back in on that end. And they've been pretty tough to score on for long stretches since they've come back. And that defensive effort, it might be to the point now where the fatigue is really catching up on them because that down the stretch against Maryland yesterday, they just couldn't get any stops. But also couldn't score, so let's say you get a 20-5 to run. Um, but the defensive effort is the first thing. And then I think the change, uh, the last couple of games in the offense and guys, I thought Teddy Allen, uh, had one of his better decision-making games uh, of the season against Penn state with the, the, the way he was mixing up between scoring and driving to make a play for others. He's, he was jump stopping in the lane. He was driving and kicking out. Uh, he wasn't forcing it too much, and he ended up taking a couple tough ones when they went into that scoring drought. But, I mean, that's going to be the case when Nebraska struggles on offense. Most of the time, Teddy's going to be the one taking a shot because he's the only guy that can really create something out of nothing. So that's, I think, going to end up hurting his perception, and I think that has been the case this year um, where kind of he's the, he's the bailout guy. And um, so you, all you see is, oh, Teddy taking another bad shot. But I think it was a failure on the offense as a whole that led to that. Occasionally, he'll take a heat check, like the top of the key three um, last night was, was a tough look. But um, Teddy was the only guy that was scoring yesterday. Um, and, he, again, he, had, he was the only guy that scored that made a shot in the last eight minutes of the game. He, he had two buckets. That's all Nebraska scored from the field in the last eight minutes of that game. So um, that, And that's kind of where the stagnation kicked in. And that's what I was talking about uh, Asking Coach Harburg yesterday is the, the thing is like he the ball moving is kind of what you harp on, but it's not necessarily just on the guy with the ball to make that happen. You got to have off ball movement. Guys got to set screens off the ball. They got to cut hard. If guys are standing around passing the ball around the perimeter, doesn't do anything. So the, the ball movement has to have purpose. 
and kind of when things really started to um, to slow down and become much more of a grind in the second half, guys just kind of stopped with that movement, and guys were standing around and staring and waiting for somebody else to make a play. And that's kind of where this team has gotten in trouble all season long, and that's what happens when they go into these scoring drafts. So when, when they've got guys working off the ball as much as a guy working on the ball, that's when they can be tough. And that's what we saw against Illinois to a certain degree for stretches in, against Penn State and for a little bit against Maryland, even though the, the problem with that game, even more so than that, was they just couldn't make layups. They couldn't finish. They were generating good looks early in the game, but those didn't go down, and then they just kind of stopped later in the game. So there's a, there's a lot to like from this last couple stretch, but also – they can't allow to kind of fall back into those old habits because it cost them in a big way last night. Jacob Badilla is with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Badilla underscore on Twitter is where you find him. Back to your guys kind of standing around. Was that due to fatigue or is it back to the trust where, okay, I'm not going to get the ball or let's let someone take over, i.e. Teddy, because he's going to get us – the best look or at least be able to create why do you think they 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 were unwilling to move or cut like they were is it is it just flat out the fatigue factor yeah and that's kind of what i asked that's kind of how i framed my question last night was it sorry excuse me um it uh it it seems like it it was probably a combination of all of the above i think when when what you're running uh, is working and you're still not getting rewarded for it, i.e. you're getting to the rim and guys are just blowing shots, then it's really easy to get discouraged. And that trust erodes a little bit. Like um, You can't really count on your guys to, to finish off their part when um, you're kind of seeing that over and over again. So I'm sure that had part of it. And then obviously, however many games and however many days now, I've kind of lost track at this point. That's got to be part of it. And especially kind of where these uh, stretches, these second half of games, these, this late last quarter of games where they really struggled, I think that's where you probably do see kind of fatigue set in most. And especially um, when you're, you're missing one of your key guys in Derek Walker for the whole second half. So guys are being extended even more so than they were in the first half. Um, and then some of that is just that's kind of what we've seen from this team is um, they, they get down a little bit and – um, I said, like you said, they kind of keep staying around and look for somebody else to make a play, and um, that that can't be the case. That's something they're going to have to continue to battle. And Hoiberg said they were going to put together an edit from th- that last eight minutes to show these guys, hey, this is exactly what we can't do, and this is what's going to continue to cost us games if, if we let this settle in. So I, I'm guessing it was a kind of combination of all of the above here, um, and they're going to have to find a way to kind of gut it out here because – uh, I'm sure the legs aren't going to feel any better today than they did yesterday. <laughs> Hale Varsity Radio talking a little Husker basketball uh, with Hale Varsity's Jacob Padilla. And, and Jacob, one of the guys you mentioned in there didn't play uh, in the second half last night, and that was Derek Walker. Um, but Derek Walker is one of those guys that we've heard a lot about uh, early in the season whenever he had to sit out uh, because of NCAA suspension. Uh we, we heard about this, the impact that uh, the Husker coaching staff thought he could have on the court. We've seen that the past couple of games. Uh, just what are your thoughts on Derek Walker and how he fits into this Fred Hoiberg system? Yeah, um, I, I think he's been a huge addition, even if he hasn't put up big numbers. Uh, first defensively, kind of, the way he was battling against Kofi Coburn 
against Illinois in that game. And Kofi still ended up with a big game. Uh, but he had to earn all that. Um, he only got off eight shots from the field. They made him. They put him to the foul line when they needed to. Um, and he, he did a great job of battling and staying in front, not giving him easy post touches for most of the minutes he was out there. And so he, he's a guy that kind of has that experience, that understands angles and all the little things it, it takes to to defend well, particularly in the post and um, offensively. You're seeing them run a lot of offense through him. And they don't have a great on-ball creator at point guard where um, a guy that's going to kind of run the show and run the whole offense. So what they're doing is they're putting the ball in Walker's hands at the high post and then running cutters all over the court. And he's made some phenomenal passes over the top to guys uh, to the rim for layups. And we've seen that early in games, especially when they come out and that's one of the first sets they run. Um, And, so cuts, handoffs, all that kind of stuff. They're looking to get him the ball and run the offense room, and that's just not something that um, you really get out of uh, Ivan Udraogo. And Eduardo Andre, I think, kind of shows some potential in that area, but he's a true freshman. And you can see even that game yesterday, there was some really good stuff early on and then some stuff where he really struggled, and you can see the inexperience. So Walker gives you kind of just that steady presence on both ends of the floor. And then he's savvy, too. He understands uh, where to set screens. I mean, a lot of their threes, I know Teddy, uh, in that that run um, early on against Wisconsin, uh, Derek was the guy setting the screens to get Teddy open, and it was just kind of within the flow of the offense, like recognize, all right, um, we got a drive going here. I'm going to go set this this flare screen and get Teddy a wide-open three. And that's just kind of a feel thing. And – so all those little things is what he brings uh, to this team, and it's been really important having him out there. And Hopefully he can go to uh, go today. It looks like, based on the pictures they tweet out, that he is going through warm-ups right now. Um, but Fred Hoiberg did say that he just wasn't feeling well yesterday and that they'd reevaluate, reevaluate him today. Jacob, I want to go to volleyball. Minnesota comes to town uh 8.30 Friday night and then an 11 o'clock little brunch special Sunday you do an amazing job covering Nebraska volleyball. You know, what What do you expect this weekend? And I know also Wisconsin, number one in the country, looms. But, you know, where where do you think Nebraska's game can, can rise and will need to rise up against uh, tougher competition here in the Big Ten? Yeah, they're definitely going to have to step their level of play up consistently this weekend from what we've seen previously. But also, um, that might just be a case of, well, early in the season, we're playing lesser teams. We kind of feel like we don't have to go 100% the entire match here. Um, and maybe they did take Rutgers and Maryland a little bit, little bit easier than, um, than they would certainly take a team like Minnesota. Um, so I think that's kind of what you're hoping to see is like, all right, now they're locked in. They can clean up some of the, uh, the little the passing issues and kind of the connection issues at times, communication issues that we, we saw that led to them dropping a couple of sets in the first three weekends. Um, but that Minnesota has been significantly more tested to this point. They played five game, uh, five game matches against, uh, against Penn State and against Purdue. And Nebraska hasn't gone past four sets yet. Uh, they haven't really been pushed to the same degree. So Minnesota does kind of have that edge coming in, knowing that 
all right, we've been here, we've done that in these these five game sets, but also Nebraska's done that in the past, and they've got a lot of players back from uh, with a lot of experience. So we'll see if kind of that that home court advantage, even with out a real crowd, can kind of give Nebraska that little edge there to overcome the kind of the the experience that Minnesota's already gained in this young season. In your opinion, how big has Kayla Caffey been for Nebraska? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, it's uh, John Cook has continued to experiment with um, th- that that middle blocker rotation where Caffey has drawn most of the stars, but he's also gone to uh, Callie Schwarzenbach at times, who is uh, one of the best blockers, uh, probably the best blocker on the team. She just hasn't really developed offensively. So it's kind of like you're, you're picking, all right, do we need more offensive punch this game or do we feel like we need kind of a more deep defensive press- presence? And he's tried to make sure to kind of keep uh, Kayla fresh, too, and uh, given Callie some, some of these games chances to kind of start and play the whole set. So um, she is uh, kind of an unorthodox middle blocker, listed only at six feet, uh, but she is quick off the ground and has a really sharp arm. You can see kind of the way the ball comes off her hand uh, when she gets a good contact on it that um, you can see the kind of the arm that uh, Cook has talked about with her and how special of an attacker she can be at times. So they're still kind of developing that that, that connection between Nicklin Haynes and Taffy, and Cook is still kind of working out, all right, what's best for how do I want to handle this rotation? But that's certainly um, a, a luxury to be able to have uh, two viable options there um, that you can go with depending on what, what the matchup is and what the situation calls for. Jacob, for Nebraska to have a chance against Minnesota this weekend, who, in your opinion, needs to be uh, the MVP? Who needs to step up? Whew. I don't. I don't know about MVP uh, because with this, the way this team can play, they can they can win a lot of different ways. You can see Lawrence Diverns, uh was absolutely dominant in the first game against Maryland, uh, the first home weekend, and then the next day it was much more balanced, where they had a handful of different players and double digit kills and. Uh, and Lauren wasn't quite as effective. So, I don't. In terms from an attacking perspective, I don't know if there's any one player that needs to uh, be the MVP. Um, but you're going to need their passers to step up, and I think that's going to be the key. It, they, they did not pass particularly well against Rutgers, and that's kind of where they got themselves into a hole. And Cook turned to his deep bench, threw in a redshirt freshman walk-on uh, in Emma Gable, who had not yet played a single point in Nebraska um, because of an ACL tear she suffered in the spring of 2019. So he, he had to, it's like, well, nothing else is working, so I'm going to give her a chance. And she went in and did a good job and kind of helped stabilize things. But you, you can't be in a situation where you're going to turn to a retro freshman walk-on to, to solve your problems. So th- those players in the back row, um, Kenzie Knuckles and uh, Kayle Akana and Lexi Sun when she's back there, they're going to have to be really sharp in the back row and to, to pass at a high rate so that Nick Haynes can get it to her hitters in, in good situations. Jacob, about 30 seconds, prep game of the week uh, or weekend you're circling. Whew. Yeah, uh, the um, Miller North at prep uh, coming up tomorrow. They got uh, pushed back. Um, yeah, that uh, worried about the power. That's probably, uh, I think, in terms of um, this week, that's probably one of the biggest ones. Um, it's that one, and then 
Prep Central on Saturday, too. So it's a huge week for Prep, who I think you feel pretty good about at, the, at that number three spot now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if they they got to beat Central. They kind of hold on to that role, especially after the loss Central had uh, against North Star this past week. But if they can go and kind of pull off that upset against Miller North, that, that'll be huge just for the standings heading into the postseason because right now Pius is ahead of Prep in, in the wildcard points. Jacob Adilla, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. His podcast with Damon Benning also covers all prep action. Jacob, have a great weekend and rest of your week. Thanks for the time, bud. Yep, anytime. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. More Husker Hoops talk, the pride of Ord and Husker standout Andy Markowski with us at Markowski underscore Andy. It's where you follow him on Twitter, uh, assistant uh, with an incredible pious basketball team. Andy, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing well, Schmitty. I wish I was in sunny uh, Florida or somewhere warm, but uh, fortunately I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stuck here with the rest of us battling uh, this miserably cold weather. <laughs> You want to roll down to Arizona next Wednesday? I'm flying out down to down to play I, some golf. Yeah, I uh, I would. Uh, I'm about two months away from uh, golf yet. I actually I'm getting old. I had my shoulder replaced in October, so my uh, my my target golf is uh, is going to be May. But it doesn't mean I can't caddy and have a couple cocktails and enjoy the conversation. <laughs> well, the over under Elijah said was uh, ten and a half uh, vodka lemonades for me. That's, <laughs> I mean, he, he, he covered himself and said, well, I meant, I meant for the weekend. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever, dude. Yeah, that's the, that's the front nine. Then we're going to move to uh, something, something better on the back. Is that the plan? I have found a new golf partner in Andy Markowski. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could pick any team in the old Big 8 or Big 12 to play back-to-back, who would it be? Oh, wow. What a, what a, what a question. Um I, you know, I always love Missouri, um, you know, with Norm and the Antlers. Um, <laughs> that, that was always kind of a feisty uh, rivalry. Um, I would say Kansas, but I've got, uh, you know, outside of my senior year sweeping them, there's a lot of 30, 20-point losses, so I don't know if I want to sign back up for that. But, but certainly Missouri was always a, a fun environment and, uh, you know, with good teams and, and, you know, teams that we were competitive against. So I, I would have to say Missouri. So was that – for show and heat of the moment, or did Norm and Danny like truly hate each other? Well, I, I don't know the the, the, the true hatred, um, but but they were both you know very competitive, and you know I, I don't I think Norm kind of looked down his nose at, at at Danny in Nebraska, and you know there was a run there where we were beating them right, and mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't love that one bit. So I, I think it was probably a competitive. Rivalry, but you know, or Norm was kind of old school, and Danny was kind of the new New York guy, uh, you know, on the block. So I, I, I imagine their personalities didn't didn't quite always mesh in the in the old Big Eight coaches meetings. Probably not. And and going down to Mexico, Missouri, and then beating Missouri with uh, Missouri kids probably ticked Norm off a little bit too. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. Andy Markowski is with us. Andy, what what do you make of? of Nebraska's offensive output. It's been better, but with, with Husker hoops, what have you liked? Uh, what have you liked from what you've seen with, with Fred's system here? 
they're they're playing hard. We've we've nailed that, but they've also been better. But there's still there's still some some humps to get over as well with just shot selection yeah, decision making. I, I I think they're they're immensely you know better. Um, now that's not translating into wins, or, or sometimes it's still an ugly product on the court. But you know if if you if you can line up and, and play uh, with Illinois and, and have them be, you, you've got some guys that that can play uh, because you don't you don't fool your way into into playing with a team like Illinois that's that's talented. So I. I think their, their their talent level is up. Um, you know, I, I think the cohesiveness, the role definition, um, they they don't have an elite point guard. Uh, you know, they have uh, you know some marginal guys that can can run the point, um, but yet you know I think they're missing a, a true point guard. So Fred has has changed his system a little bit. Walker has given them the ability to to run some Princeton uh, stuff because he's a really really good passer and a screener and a good decision maker with the ball. Um, so, you know, losing him in the second half last night, I, I think, hurt that. And then the other thing that, that really hurt them um, is, is this is relatively a, a, a new part of, of Fred's offense. Last year it was more open with Cam Mack, ball screen, you know, drive it downhill. We, we don't have the, the ability to beat people one-on-one. Uh, so going to this Princeton stuff has, has given us a, a better chance. And, and Maryland was the first team to really switch you know all of that, and keep the ball in front, um, which really stymied us. Um, you know that that second half, our offensive output and efficiency was 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 really poor. Um, but that goes back to this lack of practice time, right? You put a new system in, give Maryland credit; they were able to scout it and, and maybe make some some adjustments that we weren't ready to, to counter back. So I, I'm I'm kind of excited tonight to see. You know what? What adjustments Fred can can make back the other way um, to to you know it's almost like an NBA series, right? You mm-hmm. you kind of you kind of give up a game, and which coaching staffs can go back to the drawing board and, and, and make some corrections. Um, so I, I'm anxious to see what Fred uh, will do uh, with the personnel he has. Ho- hopefully, uh, uh, you know they they have a full roster of, of guys uh, back, um, and, and we'll see what Game Two brings tonight. Eddie Markowski's with us. Husker standout, the pride of Ord, Hale Varsity Radio, avid golfer, I have just learned. So what is that? Put your coaching cap on for a second. What is that? What are the options to counter? I mean, not, not too in the weeds with the X's and O's, but what can you do offensively if you're Nebraska, aside from just make layups, clearly? Yeah, well, Nebraska went small last night, you know, and played Stevenson, you know, because because of that switch, and you know, Fred was trying to drive a little bit from there. But but getting Walker back, I, I think will 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 help. Um, but then you got if they're going to switch, you got to be able to put the ball on the block a little bit more. Um, so I, I could see Fred not playing, uh, you know, as small. Um, you know, Webster, um, I, I still think there's. A, a role for for him to be out there more with his decision making, ability to make a a shot off the dribble. Um, you know, Teddy was really the only player last night that you know felt like he had an advantage driving the basketball. So I I think he'll go away from the Princeton stuff if if, if Walker's not playing. If he is, um, you know, look look for them to, to to stay a little bit more big and maybe post and pick and roll a little bit more out of that where they get more at the rim than than what they did last night where they were just forced to shoot late late shot jump shots just because Maryland did such a terrific job of keeping the ball out of the paint. 
Andy Markowski with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Andy, when you look at the game tonight, Husker is playing on a back-to-back. Um, but on the flip side of things, Maryland's also playing on a back-to-back. Um, so what what are you expecting tonight? How, how difficult is it to play on the back and back or on a back-to-back like that? And uh, are you expecting this to be an ugly game? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, you know, the fatigue. I, I think all that is 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 a little overrated for for college age kids, right? I mean, they're they're playing a ton of games in a row, but they're not doing this for four months straight. I, you know, I think over the course of thirty or forty five days, we can. You know, they they should be in in good enough shape to to manage that. I know Fred is is probably going a little deeper in his rotation. You know, trying to uh, protect the amount of minutes uh, his group is playing. But I, I think Maryland. Uh, for what I've seen of Maryland, really shot the ball well last night, probably a little better than, than maybe what they're capable of. I know one of their own kids, uh, averaging six, you know, had had 15 or 16. So you, you've got to make sure you do a, a better job of, of not letting, uh, you know, players that, that shouldn't be scoring double digits get there. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll be – I think it'll be an improved game. Both coaches kind of know what, what they need to do to adjust, um, you know, 50 points uh, – you know, it's not a great output for Nebraska, but you know, we we held Maryland down a little bit under their average. So I, I you know, I I think as well as Maryland shot it, I think this is going to be a much more competitive game, um, you know, late than than what it was last night. Andy, what's what's the special sauce for finishing at the rim? I mean, you're a big guy. You've had to finish in traffic. You you coach it to, to finish down low. And, and be able to either take contact and focus. Nebraska was able to get there and just not close the deal. I think seven to nineteen on layups, and, and it's yeah, it's rough. What obviously won't well, just make it, but take us in from a bigs perspective with the reality of of why why you'd miss so many. Yeah, well, two things. I, you know, I think you know another thing. Going back to practice, not to make an excuse. You know, you sure. do a lot of bag work at college. You, you know, there's some external devices you use to challenge shots for 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 guys to get used to to finishing. Um, you know, through vision being impaired or, or taking a bump to your lower body. But the reality of some of the layups they missed last night, Chris, is you, you just got. I mean, you know, and I miss layups. I'm not. I'm not trying to throw stones here, but. At some point, you got to make those. I mean, Thor had a left-handed, you know, at the rim. Uh, Stevenson had a reverse layup at the rim with with no contact. I mean, you know, you 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 have got to make those plays uh, in, in the Big Ten. And you know, I think Fred alluded to it in his press conference. I mean, their margin of of winning and losing is so small uh, when you, when you shoot so poorly from the free throw line that this uh, this group has had. You, you better make make layups, um, and, and they didn't do either last night. Um, so you know there there are some things coaches need to drill and, and get people comfortable playing in traffic. But but in the end, you know if you're a college player in the Big Ten and you want to win, you you better have the guys that are going to go either make that or dunk that. And you know I, I do think we have more of those guys on our roster, but um, you know we we need to continue to upgrade our talent as as the league. You know, this might be the best league in the history of college basketball, right, mm-hmm. from a metric standpoint. You know, so that just goes to tell you that, you know, if, if you don't have talent, um, you know, I, I used to, the saying, and I've probably said on this show, we, we played 14 Big 8 games. Close scheduled six, you know, bad non-conference wins. And then we moved to the Big 12 where we had 16 games. They moved into the Big 10 where they have 18. Now the Big 10 is 20. 
you know, so you're you're trying to compare it to the records we had in the '90s of of playing 14 league games versus now 20 in what is probably the best league in the country the last four or five years. Um, you know, it's not a comparable apples to apples comparison. Mm-hmm. I I do think our program is 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 getting better. Um, but yet, some of that has to translate on the court, and, and, and the players have to believe they can win. And you know, I, I, hopefully, they can get a couple wins here late, and you know, maybe sneak one of the big, the Big Ten tournament and carry some of that momentum into the spring and the summer. Should be good, Andy. About uh, twenty seconds here. What's uh, the, the schedule for for uh, for your hoops uh, this uh, these next couple of days? What's the what's the weekend look like for you guys? Yeah, so we have a rare. I'm actually uh, have the uh, high school girls in the car. We're, we're heading to Pius. We have the Lincoln uh, Southeast Knights tonight. Uh, obviously, last uh, yesterday's weather kind of threw a, a wrench into into the Tuesday schedule. So, uh, yeah, the, the the Pius high school teams are winding down uh, this week with a, with a couple regular season games, and then in the districts. Uh, the following week, and then uh, kind of the five-day state tournament marathon, hopefully the first week of March. So the, the, the finish line is, is near, but hopefully we have uh, a lot of games to, to, to uh, yet to play. Uh, I, you know, the, the, the team has a lot of good goals, and I'm excited to kind of watch them finish the year here. Well, it's a ton of fun watching uh, the Pious girls play ball, and it uh, should be uh, great in March. Eddie, be good. Have a great weekend. Thanks for your time, man. Always appreciate you. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Eddie Markowski with us, the pride of Ord, standout Husker, and part of that uh, good squad at Pius. You know what? Southwest and Pius, really talented, high-level ball clubs. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a car... Pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Doctor Brandon Seifert with us. Doctor Brandon, did you uh, enjoy the the Tampa boat uh, parade and uh, the old wobbly Tom Brady? <laughs> I can't say I saw the parade itself. I, I've seen some pictures uh, post parade. Uh, which is, you know, obviously pretty awesome for that uh, city to go through that, and again, just a, a remarkable kind of career for Brady and his company. It's pretty awesome. Well, you've got reports out. You're going to have uh, either uh, air quote little cleanup on Tom Brady's knee, or when this gets out, you know, conflicting reports between Tampa and Boston. The legend of Brady will grow even larger. Remember back to 2010 when he got rocked and, and had that ACL injury. And we fast forward, you know, 11 years later, and here's Tom Brady, all sorts of wobbly, apparently, because of avocado tequila or just a really <laughs> sore knee, right, getting off the boat. You know, where are you at here, Dr. Brandon, with, uh, with what may be going on with Brady's scheduled uh, procedure here on that left knee? Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you, you try to read to the lines a little bit. Obviously, there's there's kind of speculation on a couple of different sides here, a little minor cleanup versus this could be something pretty significant. There's also some reports out there that, you know, quote, he's been planning on this procedure for a while. Um, obviously, we're sitting over here trying to speculate, too, as to what this could be. But, you know, just you know, from my experience, what he's gone through um, with the ACL in the past, obviously the sport that he plays, 
know, the big thing here would be they're talking about just the cleanup. You know, that could be something as simple as, you know, either A, like a meniscus tear. You know, we've talked about these before on the show. Uh, anatomically, the meniscus is a, is a cartilage pad, essentially, that sits in between the two bones inside the knee, uh, a C-shaped type structure. Um, pretty easy to, you know, tear something like that at that kind of level, especially if he's had a previous ACL injury here and perhaps even a meniscus injury here before with that ACL. Um, so it could be tweak the knee a little bit, had a little small tear in that meniscus. They're going to go in and do a scope and clean that up. That's probably what this is. Um, the other thing it could be is, you know, some scar tissue can show up inside the knee with all the wear and tear he's had, the ACL surgery. So, again, something like go in with the knee scope and just kind of clean up the scar tissue. If it's one of those two, then, again, that's a pretty quick recovery. Uh, shouldn't be a huge, you know, long-term deficit for him, obviously, depending on the size of that kind of meniscus injury. Um, the third thing this could be is, you know, some debris floating in the knee, such as the cartilage. So the cartilage itself is actually the smooth layer that covers the ends of the bones inside the knee and all of your joints, for that matter, and essentially functions as kind of the articulating or smooth surface where the uh, joints basically glide against one another. Um, obviously, at that level, the injuries he's had, the training he's done, he probably has some damage to that cartilage layer, and perhaps there's maybe some loose pieces that are either, A, maybe still attached and kind of flipping over themselves, causing mechanical issues, or even some loose floating cartilage debris that needed also can cause swelling, catching, those kinds of things. And again, that could be something as simple as just a knee scope cleanup too. Where this becomes complicated is obviously this kind of last category, this cartilage injury category. If he has, you know, cartilage damage that's extensive to the point of extending all the way down to the bony surface, obviously if you're going to keep playing and want to have, you know, a reasonably normal life after playing, you want to have a good cartilage layer that's left there. And so this is where some differences in terms of how they treat this can come into play in terms of recovery as well. So if they get in there and start cleaning up the cartilage, it could be that maybe there's uh, some uh, defects that go down to the bone, and then you have to start to make some decisions intraoperatively about what do you do with that. You know, How do you kind of regrow cartilage? Could you maybe put some cartilage back in that area? You know, at his age, things that they would, you know, think about for him obviously depends on the size of that lesion of cartilage injury and the location. But you could do a thing where you could take some cartilage out from an area you don't need. You could transplant that cartilage to that area. That's one option. It's called an OATS procedure. The other more common option out there that works really well is to take some cartilage from an area you don't need, send it off to a lab. They can grow those cells, and you can actually reimplant or glue those cells into that area with a matrix um, and that can basically be a, a cartilage transplant, if you will. Um, but obviously, if you start talking about that level of you know cartilage regeneration, cartilage transplant, you're looking at a really long recovery in some of the order of you know six to twelve months for somebody at the NFL level. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Tom Brady and his pending uh, knee procedure. So it's kind of like uh, replacing the the awful chunk swing on the golf course right you just just regrow that (laughs) that cartilage it sounds uh, so easy but let's get into brady's age and his diet his pliability the lack of inflammation in his body i mean those are all things he is so ultra serious about to allow him to keep playing i want to go back to to the remnants of, of 2010 and the acl and how much is the procedure the care uh, changed in in this decade since uh, on your guys's end when it comes to a guy who had an ACL repair in 2010 compared to now, and uh, how more how much more advanced or, for lack of a better term, cleaner is it on on the medical side? 
Mm-hmm. You know, I would say just from a from a graph perspective, you know, we've talked before about you know, when you remake an ACL, you have to kind of reconstruct the ACL. You can't sew it back together. And so, you know, using other tissue to do that, whether it's, you know, hamstring tendon we've talked about or using a patella tendon, which is a tendon that comes down from the kneecap or even some of the other things that are out there, a quad tendon graft that's uh, – kind of out there and people are trying to popularize that as well. Uh, so graph choice wise, I wouldn't say there's been any huge differences, at least from a graph perspective. Um, how we fix the graft inside of the knee and if you add things to it to give it more stability, that definitely has improved uh, over the last you know 10 years for sure. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say the arthroscopic technique itself has changed that much in terms of morbidity to the patient with regard to, you know, incisions that you make in the patient. That's probably about the same last 10 years. Um, There's still some newer things out there called biologics, which is where you would add some type of autologous material, whether it be uh, a thing called PRP, platelet-rich plasma, which is something you draw someone's blood out, take the top layer, and and spin it down after a centrifuge, and essentially take the top layer, and there's some healing potential in that. So finding a way to add that to your ACL graft, that is something newer that, that they're working with. There's some other biologics that are out there that people are trying to add to their grafts to help basically incorporate them into the knee after you fix it. Um, so those things are out there. Um, probably the biggest thing that I see uh, difference in the last 10 years is basically the, the big thing with ACL surgery is where you attach that graft on the femur or the thigh bone is really important, that kind of positioning of that. And there's a newer uh, device out there for uh, kind of essentially drilling that tunnel or that placement on the femur. Uh, a retro reaming guide would be the kind of a, a classic name for it. Uh, but that's something that's really changed. And, and as that has come out, we're just seeing greater, much improved positioning of ACL grass. And so that would be something that would be a big improvement over the last 10 years, um, just from a technology perspective. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. And we're talking Tom Brady, his pending procedure on that knee. As uh, differing reports here, just to clean up, says his head coach, which I tend to, to believe, versus the... Wow, this will grow the legend of Tom Brady even more. But uh, he's coming back, should be good to go, and hopefully it's nothing too serious for Tampa fans and for for Brady fans. Dr. Brandon, stay bundled up, dude, and uh, we'll get this done again real soon. Thanks for the time today. Absolutely, bud. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday, Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Buckle up. Save a life. Save your life. Over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska, and they involve an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high is never acceptable. Law enforcement officers are working every day to stop it before more people are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, get a designated driver or uh, get that ride share ordered. Get a ride. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway safety office we're loaded up tomorrow we'll check in with brandon vogel the pride of chicago danny burke will be in with some burke's best bets gary barnett with us and then uh, later on friday Derek peterson's back at it and we'll spend time with bill dolman 
And then our, our dear friend Doug Duda, ESPN 1460, 1550, Carney Hastings, Grand Island. Doug's a Hall of Famer. And uh, Doug is going to be giving us a check-in with State Wrestling as he is on site there for some of the matchups. Uh, great stuff today. Andy Markowski is fantastic. Jacob Padilla, big time. Mike Babcock and Mike Shuart told us about the governor uh, when we talked about real-life PGA dudes that are more like shooter and happy. Uh, you can email the show, chris at alevarsity.com. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence. Ten and a half. That's the line. Nebraska tipping off in five minutes. Does Maryland sweep? Does Nebraska split? Does Nebraska cover tonight? They didn't last night. Decisions, decisions, Elijah. You know, I think Walker's a difference. I'm going to say Nebraska loses. But Nebraska covers. All right. Mm-hmm. I thought Nebraska would lose last night. I think they would. I, I thought they would run out of gas. They did. Some good insight by Jacob and and uh, the pride of Ord, Andy Markowski, with maybe how Nebraska attacks. And there's some pretty good uh, points by Jacob as well on, you know, that whole. I'm guilty. Like there's some takes I've had on Teddy, just kind of being a. Uh, a, a hero ball guy and no one else was ready to really try and make a play or at least was getting a shot to go in so maybe out of necessity Teddy's done a good job of distributing that'd be that'd be nice to see if you're a Nebraska fan more of that happening tonight Walker's been warming up it's going to be a game time decision yeah according to uh, Kevin Kugler he's been notified uh, from his little starting lineups that Derek Walker will be starting tonight good and for that reason I got the Huskers winning tonight so you got to win an outright win or is this an early stake in a beer bet or do See, you want to save your ammo for the Purdue weekend? The, the problem is, is we haven't talked about this in the show. It's your birthday today. Happy birthday to Thank you. you. Thank um, you. And I don't want to test your luck on your birthday. I really don't. I've so. had a, uh, you know what? I, I have three things. I, I got to FaceTime Cousin Dino today. I got a call from Uncle Morris. Talked to my mother. And I have a... Um, a voicemail one year ago today. My dad, my dad left me. Mm. Mm. It always says, "Hey, I'm I'm out golfing. <laughs> Have a good show." So I got to listen to that today. So I've had a great birthday. I'm glad to hear it. I hey, appreciate you. Enjoy the Elijah. rest of it. All right, back at you tomorrow at four with Hale Varsity. Have a good one.